It's Claire Liu here, CEO of Know Your Team, and I am honored today to have a really special guest on The Heartbeat. I have Katika Roy, who is the CEO and founder of Pipeline, this super, super incredible software company that helps companies achieve financial performance through closing the gender parity gap. And I was first introduced to Katika, I think in Austin, we both spoke at, yeah, this great conference called Culturati, your presentation, I think it was only like five minutes and I was floored. I think everyone was like, oh my God, on the verge of tears, (laughs) like it was that good. Um, But Katika, you know, in addition to running and founding this company, she was the global VP for SAP. She does a ton of speaking worldwide, most recently was just giving a keynote at uh, I think Watermark, right? Here in San Francisco? Yeah. Yeah. So... Yeah, when I saw her on the stage, I was like, "Oh yeah, you know, no, she's she's an old old pro at this." But it, we we're not here to talk about your you know your public speaking skills, Katika. We're here to talk about your tremendous experience in leadership. And so I'm excited to ask you this one question that I've been asking leaders who I respect. Okay. All right. So the question is, what's something you wish you would have learned earlier as a leader? I think that there's actually two things that I would uh, say. One is knowing my own value. So when I started out, you know, I started leading teams really early in my career. I was my very first job out of college was as a litigation paralegal and you as a litigation paralegal and big law firms, you're overseeing a lot of temp workers, a lot of contingent staff. Yeah. You know, led those teams and then uh, more formally started leading teams later in my career. But one would be that, that I'm worth it today. I don't need 20 or 25 years of experience, which I now have, but I don't need that in order to be worthy. You know, I'm, I'm worthy today and I have value today. And I, you know, often when we start after we graduate from college and you get your first job out of college and you're sort of trying to figure out what you actually really want to do with your, your career, we feel like we need a lot of experience and experience is valuable. Don't get me wrong. It's just not a mark of our worthiness. Sure. And so that would be one thing that I, if I was to tell my 22 year old self or 21 year old self, that would be one thing. The second piece about leadership that I learned over time was the, could be called the ripple effect, but essentially that when you lead people, when you impact their lives, you impact the lives of two to three other people, at least, Hmm. whether that's their family, or that's their colleagues that they work with, whatever that is. Hmm. And so to be conscious about what are you sending out into the world? My guess would be that many people have had the experience where you have a bad day at work, (laughs) and you come home and you take it out on your family. I have no idea what you're talking about. Yeah, one of my... One of my old coaches said to me, so you re- you realize you're the boss when you're the topic of dinner conversation at somebody else's house. I love right? that. Right? Like people talk about yes. you. They, they tell your family or you meet their family and they say, right. oh, I learned so much about you. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't mean that you don't make difficult leadership calls or you don't make those decisions. It's just a very conscious and intentional perspective on the fact that Whatever you are doing, you are sending that ripple out into the world. And what do you want that to be? Oh, man. I, yep, over here nodding, you know, laughing along because both are all too relatable. Let's dig in for a little uh, little bit on the first 
part that you discussed, which is this idea that when you are younger, starting out in your career, and I can totally relate to this. You know, I started running Know Your Team when I was 24 years old, and I started my first company when I was 21 or 22, right? And all I wanted was experience and to be, quote unquote, taken seriously, or, you know, how am I going to be helping all these leaders if I don't have 10, 15, 20 years of being a CEO at some some big company? And so this mm-hmm. idea that while that's undoubtedly helpful experience, my God, like I'm so much smarter than mm-hmm. I am now, hopefully, right, than when I was 22 or 24. But to your point, this idea of worthiness, like, so tell me a little bit about like what 22-year-old Katika, like what she was struggling with then at that time. Was it sort of this confidence of feeling like, you know, am I worthy to be managing these people because I don't have the experience? Or, or what was sort of the, the tension there? I would actually delineate two between worthiness and mm-hmm. confidence because I can feel worthy and still not always mm. be confident that those two can, there, there is that. that piece. Just They are distinct. You're so right. They are completely distinct. Yep. So from a worthiness perspective, at least my experience, when I graduated from college, <laughs> so I started, you know, to plan for college when I was a freshman, probably even before that, but a freshman in high school. And so you sort of have this entire path laid out for you, right? You're going to take these classes in high school and you need to get these grades and then you're going to go to college. And it is a consistent set of a path of accomplishments, essentially, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and you get your next accomplishment and then go to the next thing yep. and the next thing. And so... And, and there's way more talk about it now than there ever was, you know, in the mid 90s. But essentially, the worthiness is somewhere out there once you accomplish something. So it's not today when you're 22 and just starting out. It's it's somewhere and it's always a little bit evasive, like if I was just so. And, and I certainly it was to the people that I was leading, but it was also proving myself to the people I worked for because I was as a paralegal answering mm-hmm. to fairly high powered lawyers. Um, who were working on really important litigation cases. And so it was also about proving myself to them and that I could do this job effectively. Mm-hmm. But I think that sense of worthiness was about arrival, hmm. essentially. Once I arrive at some place in the future, like I'm a vice president or I'm a director or something like that, I will feel, it's almost like it's magic, I will feel worthy. And somewhere along that journey in that leadership journey, I realized that it's not out there, like it's here. But it took me a lot of experience to realize that. And one of the things that actually, I remember talking to a friend of mine, and there was a woman who was a director. And at the time, I just wanted to be a director. So this was a long time ago. And uh, she said, do you really think that she believes like she's she feels like she's got it all together? And she's confident and you know, I just sort of made up a bunch of stories that she sure. did. Right. And then I it started and then I kind of sat back and thought, oh, well maybe she has all those doubts too. Hmm. And then and then it started to solidify to the fact that you could have that today regardless of whatever was happening outside oh, absolutely. of you. I mean, I think I, I wanna almost, you know, for everyone who who's who's listening and watching, like really emphasize this point about 
self-value and worthiness because we we almost have like a disease I think in our society where we tie that that sense of self-worth so much to external opinions of you know what other people think of us to how much money we have in our bank accounts to what that title is on that business card and that's not what makes a person's life valuable it's not what makes a human being mm-hmm. interesting or worthy to be around and and I think as a leader it's easy when you have a lot of people depending on you or where there's like you were saying this almost addiction to achievement to say oh but that mm-hmm. is my that is my worth or just I, or I want I'm all I'm seeking is for others to sort of show and share you know that that validation so I, I think it's such an important point it's a hard one to learn unless I think you get yeah. burned kind of badly. That's how it happened for me. What what really was the turning point for you? Was it you sort of, yeah, like you were saying, seeing that that mentor? Was there something that, that clicked one day where you're like, you know what? I am worthy of being in this position regardless of, of how many years of experience I've had. You know, I don't think it was a moment because I don't, if it was, I don't remember that moment. It was more about a journey to figure out how to be useful mm. and to essentially be like be of service and be useful to other people. And that was an, and still is honestly, um, an ever evolving learning journey sure. about that. And so I think for me, it was. And, and so much of that too probably was ingrained in me as being the daughter, you know, because I'm the daughter of an immigrant and a refugee and the always do your best and never give up. But there was that sense of always continuing to ha- like, how could I be more useful? What could I do to be of service? And if you don't feel worthy, you can't be useful mm. to other people, yes. like not in a conscious yes. way, because you can't transmit that. So you have to start with yourself, emanate that out. And so, you know, I mean, I have two kids. That's true with my two kids. I can't, my kids will do what I do. They will not do what I say. Right. And so they're eight and 12. But whenever I would think about that, I would think about, okay, well, what am I doing? Like, am I doing the things I'm telling them to do? Because if I'm not, then that's not authentic. And then also a lot, like I, you know, I said to you, you're human. That is something I often say to the people who report to me, like we're all human. We will all make mistakes. And that, that is just part of the human condition and being fallible. It has nothing to do with our worth. That's just part of our humanness. And so you just, you know, allowing ourselves that grace. That's, it's beautiful to hear, honestly, refreshing, so important I think I often wonder if women feel this more. I'd be curious to get your take on that. If women feel what? More about being of service? (sighs) Well, more about feeling like worth is a question, right? I don't know. In your experience. Yeah. So my experience is actually that women are more apt to talk Hmm. about it, that it is not a gender specific Men feel it too. It's just that from a very young age, men are taught not to share feelings uh, overall. And in particular, nothing about not feeling enough right. or not feeling worthy or any, because that's like you're not going to be safe right. if you do that. So that women are more apt to talk mm. about those things because we're more socialized to talk about those things where men are not. And you, and honestly, I mean, this is a little bit of a sad statistic, but it is true, which you can just see that in the suicide rates in the United States. That is, men and boys account for 79% of all suicides in the United States. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're four times more likely to die from suicide. And that's a mental health issue, which comes from that fact of, and I'm, I'm not a 
psychologist or a mental health expert, but it does come from the fact of not feeling worthy, of not feeling good enough, of not feeling like Mm -hmm. I have value here. That in fact, the opposite, it would be better if I was not here. Right. right? So I I don't actually think it's a gender issue. It's just Mm -hmm. that it's more often that women talk about it. I I think I would agree tend to agree with you too, just uh, amongst conversations that I've had with leaders of, of, of all sort of gender identification. I think um, to your point, all the more reason to, to talk about it, right? And to normalize the conversation mm-hmm. about, well, questioning what value do I bring? And then to the main mm-hmm. point that you were bringing up, which I thought is so wonderful, is you know how you reverse that narrative is you ask that question, well, how can I be useful? I mean, Peter Drucker, mm-hmm. you know, seminal scholar on, on management talks about the question, what is my highest use as a leader, right? And that is mm-hmm. a very centering and grounding question. But I love even the question of uh, how can I be of service? How can I be useful? Because if you try to answer that, then you realize and you you have to believe in, in your in your worth to be in that position. So thank mm-hmm. you for, for that important yeah. reminder. Yeah. Yeah. And then the other thing that you mentioned about the second sort of biggest lesson that you've learned in your years as a leader, Katika, was this idea of the ripple effect, which I thought you were going to go in one mm-hmm. direction with it. And then you actually shared something that I, I don't think a lot of people talk about, which is that you're affecting not just the person who reports to you, but their family, their friends. Mm-hmm. When did your realization of that happen in your career? I think it happened maybe four or five years ago, something like that. And it was just a thought. Uh, and I managed really big mm-hmm. teams. So I would, I would, you know, I would think a lot about that. And it was a sense of being intentional about the leader that I wanted to be. Like, who, who did I want to be? And also the mm-hmm. other thing too, was, which is probably why it didn't come up for a little while, is I, I actually had people who like came with me or followed me from company to company. I had this over three companies where I would take a new role and they would come with me. And I thought, well, that's really interesting. And so I must be sending some something get out into the you know, world. Yes, Not that I didn't think I was, job, but, yes. yeah, but yeah, it's, but it's more like you're just not always aware. Like we're not all we don't we're not always self aware. So it's not like I don't think I send the good things in the world. I do, but I like so for instance, mm-hmm. like today just also happens to be bring your daughter to work day. I, I didn't bring my daughter because because I was like yeah, we're not going to watch the iPad all day. <laughs> But my uh, head of operations brought her niece, who is my son's age. And so we had a conversation. And what I was remembering was, uh, so I was thinking about the impact I might have on her life, right? So by the fact that she met me and she's seen my story and her aunt works for me. And also what I was thinking about, my father was an entrepreneur and he had a lead investor who was a, the first investor and almost always in most of his businesses. And that gentleman mm-hmm. had a profound impact on my life. Hmm. And so because he encouraged me to always do my best and, and um, I had a very specific experience where he really encouraged me. I was a freshman in high school. And the kid who got did we had to create a historical ornament for world history, and the child who did who got the highest grade on the historical ornament would get an automatic A on the final. And I was feeling a little defeated. I'd just gotten back from private school to public school, and was like, ah, I just think I'll go for like a B. And he said, No, you should always go for the A. And I was like, oh, All right. So I did it, and I won, and I like I got the best grade, yeah. and I got the automatic A on the final, and so. 
you know, so those are the things that maybe we don't always think about that we have this impact and directly in leadership. Like one of the things that I have often done with people that I Mm -hmm. lead because you're responsible for giving them feedback and coaching them is to separate intent Mm. with impact. That is most people have good intentions. Like 99, you know, sure. so most people have good intentions. They, their impact just might not be what they intended. And so when I did that, it didn't become about the person and their worth. Right. It came, you know, your, I believe your intent is good. Here's what I believe it to be. Right. And here's the impact that behavior or action or whatever is having. So let's figure out how to align those two. And I had someone once say to me, thank you so much for, well, I've had it more than once, but in one particular, I don't know that they'd ever gotten feedback that way. And he said to me, I so appreciate the fact that you separated that so that I didn't feel bad about myself. Hmm. And I felt like I could actually change and do this better Hmm. in the future. I'm, yeah, nodding my head over here vigorously because I think that's such an underlooked part of of feedback. And it's what makes it so difficult, right, is because most folks get defensive because they're misconstruing intent. And mm-hmm. most of the time, if you've done a decent job hiring, you know, you haven't hired anyone who's evil and who has that poor intent. And so it's a matter of figuring out, okay, well, if the outcome, you know, isn't exactly, you know, whether it's my outcomes or your outcomes, then, you know, then how do we get on the same page? I want to go back really quickly, though, to this story that you shared about, you know, the investor that, you know, with with your dad, because I actually, it it made me think a lot about my dad and how, wow, I actually unintentionally have been deeply affected by every single one of his employers across his entire career because... So there you go. Yeah. Well, I was thinking, I was like, well, we moved, you know, I've lived in Atlanta, Georgia, Washington State, Ohio, Minnesota, uh, all because of my dad's job. And it was because he didn't like his boss or he disagreed with his boss or whatever it was, but there was some dynamic mm-hmm. there between the person, you know, who he was working for that caused our family, to, you know, caused me to change schools, meet new people. I mean, drastically changed, not just my life life experiences, but honestly, sort of like my temperament of, of today, mm-hmm. right, that I carry with. And, and mm-hmm. I think for so many of us as, as leaders, you know, now, and I'm thinking of, you know, our team, I'm like, oh, wow, yeah, you know, they're going home and, and talking to their partner or their kids. And we don't realize that that deep ripple effect. And so given that, to your point, right, like communicating, not just intent, but figuring out how to influence outcomes, I think is a huge part of it, to your point. But mm-hmm. the other thing with that you'd also earlier touched on was just this whole idea of just being a lot more deliberate and just asking that Mm -hmm. question of like, how do I actually want to be? I'm curious, Mm -hmm. like, do you, is that something you do often? Are there other things that you do to sort of center yourself and making sure that that ripple effect is positive versus not Mm -hmm. so positive? Not so positive. Yeah. Well, yeah. And especially as a leader, I mean, you have positional and, and when I, and so in, in this instance, because yeah. leaders are not all, don't always have positional power, but in this instance, yep. in my role right now, you know, I have a lot of power. And so you have to be aware of the impact of, not that, not that you can't be authentic, but you have to be the, aware of the impact that your behavior has on other people. Mm-hmm. And it is magnified because of who you are. Right. And so, yeah. uh, so that piece is particularly important. And I think when you think about people's families and the impact that you can have or indirectly you have on them. I mean, that I, I remember um, there's another woman who worked for me 
many, many years ago, and she was in leadership development, and that that was her passion. And one of the conversations I would often have with people is, look, what do you want to do? And please don't tell me that you want to work for me for the rest of your life, because you're not going to, I mean, that's just unrealistic, right? So let's talk about what you actually want to do. And then let's figure out how we get you there. Because you may be with me for a long time, you may be with me for a short time, but you're probably not going to be with me forever. So let's just let's have an honest conversation. And so she was really into leadership. And it wasn't what we were doing as a team. And Mm -hmm. I said, well, if you're really interested in that, then perhaps the best way to do that is like here are companies that actually invest a lot in leadership. And that might be a really good place for you to go. And I am happy, more than happy to open those doors for you, whatever I can do to help you move there. You're great on this team. And if that's really what you want to do, that's what you should do. And if you think about that, the possibilities of what she had two children, Mm -hmm. but the possibilities of what her kids think are possible, you know, like what the mindset of what you think is possible, that it's okay to have a passion about something. And it's okay to go towards something that I want to do. And I might make mistakes and I might fail and all of that's okay. That is all part of the journey. But that doesn't mean that I should not have those things because I might fail. And so I think that that piece of it is particularly important. Yes, I couldn't agree more. And I think we forget about that responsibility as leaders. I think, you know, we can be so or, you know, I'm not going to put words in your mouth. I can, you know, speak for myself here in the sense of like, it's so easy to become focused on, you know, my personal vision for the organization, you know, the the people that we want to help and, you know, the market and, and, and what we're building and getting really excited about that, that you also don't realize the very close and immediate impact of even, well, or how are my actions setting an example, not just for my team, but you know, in turn, how is that trickling down onto to their families and, mm-hmm. and to their friends? So, Katika, thank you so much for, for all this wisdom. I'm, I know I'm leaving this conversation with so many great takeaways. I mean, everything from just being more human and realizing how human I am and, and mispr- mispronouncing your name for the first <laughs> 10 minutes of the podcast. So, part of that, that to, uh, no, but that to, you know, this this reassessment of, of what is real worth and asking to ask the question of how do I be more, more helpful and to consider the ripple effect as leaders. So, thank mm-hmm. you so much. Mm-hmm. Appreciate it. You're very welcome. Thank you.